This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Yeah, and very interesting um, sort of counterpoints there that uh, I, I accept in that you have a lot of legacy players who are building software in the traditional, we can call it Web 1.0 state. And that's frustrating and annoying. But I don't think that in itself is enough to be you know, unseated for me, or at least for you, surely, right? You mentioned lease accounting rules and regulations changing. And I'm assuming the pandemic, one hell of a trend, right? Created a new set of problems to solve. Had Correct. those two things not been in place, surely it would have been a lot harder. It would have been harder to, to get the attention of uh, the customer set. Or do you feel like, no, even without yeah. that, UX is so important that UX itself is enough to disrupt and deceive? Uh, no, you have to have a real problem to solve. And especially when you have two huge ones at the same time, yeah. I mean, that, that's obviously, that's where the opportunity, when, when there's churn in the market, that's where the opportunity comes out of. Um, but regulations are a great thing to build uh, products around, right? The government says, hey, there's a new law that says you have to do this. Look at the transportation industry, right? If you're a transportation company, I'm sure there's, you know, numerous laws that you have to uh, comply with. Um, if you don't know them, that's not your job is knowing the law, then someone's going to step in and create a product that allows you to, to be in compliance with those laws. So I think there's a, yeah, I think I agree with you. You can't just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pick um, an industry and just go build a more beautiful looking product and, and say that I'm going to go beat everybody by selling this. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not enough. And, and one thought a lot of founders have is, well, let me let me price this at a, you know, a discount to what the current market offers. It still isn't enough. In fact, there's a perception too that, look, we've got budget for this. We're happy to keep spending it. And there must be something wrong with your product. You know, it takes yeah. a while for some people to understand that free isn't good. You should no. charge because you're expected to charge, right? <laughs> but as, a, as an entrepreneur, wouldn't you want to charge more money for your product? And the only way you're going to charge more money is that there's more value there. Well, there's two different camps right there's the camp where i want to build facebook and i want to you know make it free and i'll make revenue later on the back end through data and i don't think that pitch works very well in prop tech it, it doesn't it works really well in other industries for prop tech i really in most cases i don't think so um the other approach is we have a really clear value proposition we solve a problem the way others don't we're not and this is what i've heard you say we're not changing the business model of our company you don't have to come in necessarily and have a disrupted business model. You mm -hmm. need to solve a really clear problem. And if you can point that problem to a regulatory change or a nature in the dynamics of the marketplace, like, you know, COVID's completely changed the way offices are, are run and managed, right? Yep. If you can put pitch, if you can ride those trends, you still need to do everything else perfectly. You still mm. need to have the right pricing. You still need to have amazing UX. It's still not enough, you know? Uh, yeah. But you definitely need those, I think, as a precursor. Now, I'm sure viewers are listening and thinking, well, I can think of, you know, one, two, three examples that contradict that. Well, we're talking about patterns here. We're talking about prop tech generally. You know, there's always an exception mm -hmm. to the rule. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing, um, and you've been in this industry for a while, <laughs> the one thing you can bet on is that, I, I believe as a founder, you should always think your competitors are cutthroat and they're, you know, 
like 10 steps ahead of you. But the fact, the reality is um, they're not. They're very slow, they're very archaic. And the fact that they're entrenched in their position makes them lazy. If they've been acquired, and you, you can, I don't know if you can speak to this, but you've seen acquisitions happen all over the front, right? The founding spirit is lost and things just yeah. become part of the corporate machine. And that also leaves them vulnerable to, you know, annoy their customers. And there's your opportunity as a startup. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think there's like this almost kind of like off-gassing of the uh, the those Web 1.0 customers back into the market who are like, eh, the company that I signed up for seven years ago isn't that cool anymore. And they're not really that responsive and they haven't really innovated that much. And hey, my contract's coming up. I'm going to explore the market. Oh, look, there's this new company out here that's way better. And they do all this other stuff and they want their product managers to get on the phone with me and really get my feedback. And, you know, you have to keep that start startup spirit alive or, or yeah or you're going you're going to get unseated yourself for sure yeah absolutely now let's talk a bit about what's happening with the world of work at the time of recording this podcast it feels like we're out of the pandemic and it feels like this is the first attempt for people to go back to to uh well i don't want to say go back to an office environment i actually want to ask you what what is the status quo right now um what, what's happening really how does the future of work currently look like? Which direction is it heading in? And are the persona types? Are companies doing things differently? And how do you categorize the way people are real? Uh, it's random. I still think that, yeah. I mean, okay, let, let's just say that we're out of the pandemic, which, you know, we're probably technically not, but it feels like we are in many places, right? So you have businesses who are now faced with the question of like, okay, how are we going to go back to work? Well, you know, it's a lot of businesses that we never left work. We just kind of moved it around. So it's going to require even more empathy for the employee now. And because two years, we all all been working from home. Some people, I, I was on the phone, I was on, I was interviewing somebody today actually for a, a key role and you know, he works from home, but he likes to go into the office. But he realized by working from home, he could actually be closer to his kids from time to time. He could, you know, get things done that he normally wouldn't be able to do during a work week. And that's not to say that I like assumed he was like slacking off, but like, that's true. Like there's more to life than your job. And, and especially with the idea of commuting, it makes people uh, less likely to want to sit in their car for an hour on their way into the city. Um, so those, those factors, I think need to be looked at seriously uh, because I think the workplace is really wherever somebody can do their best work. And I think I think I saw a, um, a headline the other day that Jamie Dimon, you know, has has lost to the work uh, work from home crowd, right? Like, because he was the first guy that was like, "Hey, we want you back in the office. We need people here." Um, and whether you agree with that or not, that that was like someone has to take a stance and draw a line. But I think the reality is, is after two years of giving people a little bit more flexibility and freedom, you can't just you can't act like that because everyone's going to be dusting off the resume. Um, so I think that you have to have the empathy for the employee. From our perspective, we've grown headcount wise throughout the last two years of the pandemic. And it's actually been very helpful for us because it's broken down the borders of where you can hire awesome talent. You know, we have, we're in Boston, we have two hubs, one in Boston and one in New York, and we've opened our offices back up, but we haven't forced people to say, we need you in here two, three days a week. It's like, we have an office, like we love to collaborate, come on in. But if you can't, we understand your best work is, you know, at your home setup, then by all means, get it done. And then I think companies will start to shift the way they use their space. They won't lease as many big headquarters locations, uh, they might 
do the hub and spoke model a little bit more, or they might not lease as much space at all. And they'll get their teams together remotely um, more frequently in like, you know, shared or, or, you know, communal office settings or just like offsites. So I think what we're going to plan to do is have offices where it makes sense from a center of gravity perspective, and then get our teams together, um, you know, as frequently as we can, um, you know, for camaraderie's sake, but for also just, you know, synchronous working and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer uh, that, you know, tells you like by this date, the world's going to go back to the way it was, but I just, I just don't think it is. And neither can you tell us, I'm seeing, you know, these four categories or these two categories with companies. Is it truly random? You're not seeing patterns? Well, yeah, we, there, we have a pattern. Um, 2021, we, we pulled some data on our, in, in, in our system. And we learned that of the clients that we have that are office occupier clients um, on a cohort basis, they expanded their footprints in 2021 by 30%. When I say footprint, I mean, number of leases, not square footage. So what that tells us is that businesses that have people space are actually opening more offices, which is probably a reaction to be having an office in closer proximity to more people rather than having one central headquarters and like a CBD that people want to go into. So I think people are, are going to start spreading out their office portfolios, which will mean more leases in more locations rather than having that like big, uh, you know, headquarters lease uh, on the West Coast and on the East Coast. Um, and I think there's two benefits to that. One is you provide a more flexibility to your employer, employees, uh, but it also allows you to recruit more areas than you normally wouldn't have thought of. Matt, what was your what, what was your philosophy prior to the pandemic? So, you know, you, you, I don't want to hear philosophy now. It looks like everyone has, is more progressive and is like, you know, what would you describe before all this? An office type of person? I'm, I've always been an office type of person, my personal philosophy. Um, fortunate enough to be one of the owners of my company and can kind of dictate where my office is. So I have a eight minute walk home. But um, so that al- <laughs> that allows me to jump home and pick up the kids on, you know, from the bus when I have to. And there's some flexibility just based on proximity for me. Um, but I work better when I have a separation of uh, environments. Um, I just like the idea of getting up in the morning, going to the gym and then heading into the office and having certain times to focus on certain things. If I'm at home, I'm less productive personally. I, I'm just going to go down to the kitchen, grab a snack. You know, that makes me make a cup of coffee. I look at my phone 20 minutes later, I've just burned a half an hour. So for, for me, for my money, I like being in the office. Now that, that doesn't mean I'm ever going to force other people to do stuff like that. But yeah, but pre-pandemic, um, yeah, I was in the office every day. See, and it sounds like you still are in the office every day. You, you need I mean, that separation. You're not a hybrid type of person, at least hybrid in the sense that, oh, work from home Monday, Tuesdays, go to the office Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. Sounds to me like you work well in an office environment and that's a prototype of many people too, obviously. I guess it comes down to personality, right? Or does it come down to home setup? Because not everyone has the luxury of having a home that's setup. That's true. Yeah, that's really true. Um, I that's why I, I go back to the fact that like you know you got to be more empathetic to the employee because everybody's got a different situation, right? Like I when we were peak pandemic and my wife and I were both working from home, we had to buy two desks. We put one in our bedroom, we put one down in the main living area, and she's downstairs on calls. I'm upstairs on calls. I'm literally spending 16 hours a day in my bedroom. I sleep there and I work there. Yeah, I was, sometimes you know it's not good. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I didn't like that, but other people might love it. I don't know. Um, 
And so like when I work from home today, it's more out of necessity. Like, oh, my kids aren't in school today, so I'm gonna work from home and, you know, try to be a dad at the same time. Or, um, you know, I have to be at an appointment in the afternoon, so there's no sense in going to the office for the day if I if I have to like go somewhere. So I'll, I'll start from the, the morning in the office or in the home or something like that.